Oh, before I get started, you ready? You guess what? Seriously, that was pathetic. Hey, guess what? I love you guys. No, I truly love. And not it, the timing of that was really bad because it was like, hey, you got a gift. I love you. No. So I wanted to share that with you because Carrie and I, we would. It'll be 31 years come December 1st that we've been married. Yes. I love her, she loves me, we know that, but once in a while, I'll be cooking or something, or just randomly be like, Carrie, guess what? And she's like, what? And she knows the routine, but we still like to do it. Um, she's like, what? I'm like, I love you. You know, I get that I love you back. Um, but it's just a little reminder, once in a while, to stop and say it. You know, not assume. Um, my goal for this morning is we're gonna look at the story of uh, this man who Jesus heals at the pool of Bethesda. Uh, and we're going to see ourselves woven in this story. And it's going to be this reminder of how much Jesus loves us. Um, so get with, get with me. Uh, turn with me to John 5. We're going to look at verses 1 through 17. And here's this, this I have it the healing at the pool on the Sabbath. And we'll get to the Sabbath in a minute. Um, so reading verse 5, 1 through 17, says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am going another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take your, your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was a Sabbath, so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is a Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, as there was a crowd in the place. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. Here's, by the way, turn with me to verse 4. You guys see how many of you don't have verse 4? Unless you have King James, there's no verse 4. Um, and that was... Uh, not in the original manuscripts. In uh, the verse 4 talks about that the pool in Bethesda was stirred up. The stirring up of the water was done by an angel uh, who would come down, and as the waters were stirred up, the first person in would be healed after the water was stirred up. I'm going to, and sharing that with you because it does relay us and set up the story for verse 7 of why this man wanted to get into the water. Um, and so that's, that's why you don't have verse 4. I have like, it says 4, then 5 right away. Um, but here is this situation with this invalid, this man who can't walk, 
probably can barely move. We don't know what disease he has. Uh, he is unable to stand. And in some, whatever is going on, this disease has completely wrecked his body. Um, it has made him unable to walk or move for 38 years. And as he's trying to approach the water, everyone else is faster than he is to get in, uh, to be healed. But Jesus sees this, or sees him, and knows that he has been laying there for a long time and says to him, do you want to be healed? So Jesus, by the way, and I love this about Jesus, he already knows about this man's problems. He knows all about us. He knows our problems, our needs, our situations that cause us to be uh, completely immovable at some points. And some, sometimes life is so overwhelming that we, can't, we feel like we can't even move. Uh, but here's this, this picture of Jesus knows about this man and says, do you want to be healed? So he knows the problem. Uh, and we're going to see that this man has a problem. He's hopeless. And then there's going to be a solution, which is Jesus Christ. And then the result of what happened with this encounter with Jesus. So it is kind of a strange question. Obviously, Jesus, I want to be healed. Why else would I be here? Um, but Jesus asked the man anyway, do you want to be healed? And it's probably more for this man to realize, answering, do I really want to be healed? It's as, as much a matter of the will um, that, that do I want to be healed? There's an opportunity, but I've been in this situation for so long. Unfortunately, I've become comfortable in this situation. Uh, on some level, I'm being taken care of. I don't have to work, whatever. This man, Jesus knows that he, this man needs to answer himself, yes, I want to be healed. Now, this man doesn't answer yes right away. Uh, and so he explains his helplessness to Jesus that, yeah, of course I want to be healed, but I've tried. And the, in this, this guy's mind, the only way to be healed is to get into that water. Um, and we're going to see that it doesn't take the water. Um, it takes the Savior. But I sat there thinking, man, every time I read this story, I feel sorry for this guy. Uh, stuck, he can barely move, who knows how long he's been by the pool, but here's 38 years of not being able to move, uh, not being able to do things for himself, not being able to, to be a part of regular life. Uh, and so I feel bar sorry for this guy. But then I realized I've been in the same boat. Uh, there are some today who are still in the same boat. Now, I may not be an invalid physically, but man, spiritually, I'm hurting. Uh, emotionally, I'm struggling. Uh, sin has wrecked my life, uh, and, and to know that there are times that I just feel hopeless and helpless, uh, and knowing that there's got to be something that changes, and I've tried everything I can, but knowing that there's got to be a way out. And so now I'm seeing myself, and I hope you see yourself, that before encountering Christ in our sin, we are, we are helpless. We are absolutely hopeless with no way out. Um, we are completely crippled and lame, spiritually, physically, some emotionally, knowing that we all need help, that we find ourselves paralyzed, uh, that sin has wreaked havoc in our life. Um, and then even after encountering Christ, we're still dealing with sin. Sin isn't gone. Uh, even the, the most staunch believer, the most godly man or woman that you know is still having to fight sin and still feeling moments completely lame and useless and hopeless. 
Um, but with Christ the Savior, we know that we have the perfect hope. So my question to us this morning is, do you want to be healed? Uh, do you want Christ the Savior at, as your Lord? Are you willing to, to take your life, even after an encounter with Christ, and making this, this life change that we're going to see that this man is given by Jesus. And so there are people who, we talked about the light coming into the darkness. Because it makes sense. Well, the light's there. Why would I not want to go to the light? Jesus the Messiah is here. Why do I not want to run with open arms to Jesus? But yet there's some who don't. Uh, and it's confusing to us on this side, Right? But there are those who don't see Jesus as Messiah, don't see him as the way out, are afraid of the light and would rather run and hide uh, and cower or run completely away. So there are people in this world who don't want uh, to be healed. They, they think in their mind that they're okay, that everything's fine, I can handle this on my own, I don't need you. Um, and they reject Christ. Uh, they reject the, the true answer and solution to their need of sin, um, which ultimately is going to lead to death. Uh, but with Christ, we have life. But what did Jesus say to this man? This man's kind of given him the story, you know, do you want to be healed? I don't know if he would have just answered yes right away, but here's Jesus. And did he say, well, you know what? If you want to be healed, that's great. Just keep hanging in there. You got this. At some point, you'll be lucky enough to roll into the water. Did Jesus do that? No. Did Jesus say, well, you're, you know, you're in the wrong position. You need to kind of position yourself over here, be in the right place at the right time. Make sure you follow these steps to, to get to the pool. Uh, you know, Jesus kind of gave some advice. Did he do that? No. Uh, did he say, you know, let's make you a little bit more comfortable. I know life is miserable, but let's get you a new bed. Let's put some flowers around. They'll bring you a meal every day. Uh, did Jesus kind of put a Band-Aid on this guy's situation? No. What does Jesus say? He says, get up to rise. Um, pick up your mat and walk. Because this man needs more than just advice. This man needs more than, you know, 10 steps to get healed. This man needs nothing else than Jesus nothing else than the healing power of the Messiah. And so Jesus says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. So we have this problem of hopelessness, but we have the solution who is in Jesus to get up, to rise. And notice this first thing that Jesus said for the man to do, this man couldn't do. He's been trying for 38, 38 years to rise, to get up. And perhaps this man is thinking, well, if this this guy's telling me to stand up, and I can't. Maybe he knows something that I don't know. Amen to that, right? Aren't you glad that it's up, not up to our knowledge, not up to our wisdom, not up to any man-made culture, religion, knowledge, whatever, to have eternal life? It is only by Christ Jesus. Um, and so here's this, this picture of this man thinking, rise up, get up. I, I haven't done that in 38 years. But this guy must know something, because he doesn't know he's Jesus yet. And at some point, he's going to have to believe Jesus, uh, that he must do it, um, that, that, that Jesus must do it, that this guy can't. Um, how many times in our situations do we try on our own, but we fail? 
It's got to be Jesus and only Jesus. And if this man is going to get help or to help me, then I've got to decide to do what he tells me to do. That at some point, this man needs to decide, yes, I'm going to listen to these words of Jesus and to do. <clears throat> do or do not. There is no try. Okay? I only got a couple of giggles from my Star Wars fans. Okay, that's a Yoda quote. But it's true. Scripture, we're, we're seeing all through the book of John, believe or don't believe. You don't get to just try to believe. Let me give you a little sample. You know, let me take it home for 30 days, return. No, you're either in or you're out. You either do or you don't, either believe or you don't. And that's this position, this point in this man's life that he's got to believe in Jesus or he's not going to and believe the words that Jesus says. Uh, trying would require something from us, but it's only in the strength and power of Jesus that this happens. Um, John 3.36 doesn't say, whoever tries to believe in the Son has eternal life, right? What does it say? Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, and whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. That's what this whole book, as we're going through John, talks about. Believe you, you can state a belief, but until you step into that belief in faith, you're missing the point. You're missing Christ as Savior and Lord. And it was Jesus' desire and will that this man should do what he told him to do. But that man, that moment the man believed in Jesus and the words spoken to Jesus, then that's when Jesus healed him. Um, it's got to be this this point of believing, this point of accepting Christ as Savior and Lord, that we step into full belief. We don't have all the answers, and who knows what, what this man experienced as he rose and as he got up, but it is in the, in the power of Jesus Christ that he was healed. Uh, there is nothing this man did to deserve this miracle. There is nothing this man said or did to receive this miracle. It is simply the compassion, grace, and endless power of Christ that was displayed here on this man just by believing. There is no need for physical therapy afterwards or a workout plan or for him to get his strength back. Um, verse 9 says, And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked, fully healed, full access to the healing power of Christ Jesus. Turn with me to Isaiah 35, verses 3 through 6. Isaiah 35, 3 through 6. And here is this picture of the power of God in our life, not only in salvation, but even in our physical life. Uh, Isaiah 35, verses 3 through 6 says, Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will com come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Here is the, the gift not only of a ticket to heaven, our lives are radically changed because of the power of God. The power of Christ Jesus, who, who in this act of display, of showing this power, knowing that we have in Christ, who was crucified for our sins on the cross, who rose again to conquer sin and death, 
we have in our state of hopelessness of sin, that sin obliterated, death obliterated because of the power of Christ on the cross. And through him, we have eternal life. We have access to the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's the crazy thing, is that some people missed this. And we're going to see that the Jewish leaders missed this. Um, they know this passage in Isaiah. They know what God can do with the healing of the lame. And Jesus does it, and they're all caught up in their law and religion and completely miss the point. Uh, we'll get, that, get to that in a second. But here is this opportunity that, that this man encountered Christ. And Christ is coming to this world. Christ is in this world today. And there are those who just don't get it and who miss, don't understand it. And they think they have life figured out on their own, or they're trying, but they're going to fail epically. Um, and so thank you, Jesus, for loving us so much that you gave us a way out. So we have this problem, we have this solution, and then Jesus isn't done, right? He didn't just stop with get up. He adds a few more instructions. Here's the result. Take up your bed and walk. So then now what? Christ in our relationship, and our salvation, we come to him believing who he is as the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of our, of our life for our sin, conquering sin and death. He didn't just say, okay, great, I'll see you in heaven when you finish this time on earth. No, he now, we are his, and we are to live out our faith. We are to take this belief that we have and live it out. Uh, and so we are to take up our bed and walk, uh, take up our bed to leave our old self, um, why did Jesus say take up your bed? Because this lame, invalid man's not going to need his bed anymore. Now, maybe he's asleep. I don't know if he had something back at home. But he doesn't need that stuff anymore. Um, and how many times do we kind of mess that up? Uh, that we bring something to the foot of the Father and say, please take this with, from me. Help me in this sin. Help me in this situation. And then do we walk away in full faith that he's going to accomplish that in his timing? Well, I hope so. But if you're like me, I kind of like, hey, check on things a little bit. Am I the only one, by the way, who when I buy a TV, uh, PlayStation, any electronic gizmo, I keep the box like in the garage for a couple of days? Anyone else? Actually, really, the couple of days become like a year. Like, <laughs> I try to clear out the garage once a year, and I'm like, why did I keep that? Why? Because I didn't have full faith in that equipment, okay? Do we have full trust, faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord to when we present a situation, a prayer to him, a, a, a whatever sin that we're struggling with, and like, God, I can't do this anymore, it's on you, and walk away from it? It's difficult. It's very hard. But this is what he's saying. You don't need that anymore. You don't need to... Uh, to have anything just in case, right? Uh, there should be no provision to take that, take back what Christ has already fixed and completely made whole, okay? So in my case, I need to go home and I need to throw the donuts out, okay? I don't need that temptation there. Um, I need to throw the drugs out of my house, the alcohol, the porn, whatever else we're struggling with, get it out, Get it away from you. Run away from the temptation. Scripture says that, to run the opposite way. 
Um, there are things in our life that we need, and we kind of like, ah, you know, I just want it around for a little bit. There might be a relationship. Someone who's, who has completely brought you down in your relationship with God, who is completely taking you the wrong direction, there might need to be some bridges burned. Um, that is this radical life that God's given us now, not to just keep our nose clean a little bit before we get to heaven. No, a radical change and shift in our life to take up our bed and then toss it. We don't need it anymore. Ephesians 4, to 24 says, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And so be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on a new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So take up your bed, leave your old stuff behind, and pursue and go after Christ. Now, is that easy? No stinking way. It's hard. It's difficult. But it's that process. It's that faith growth, pro growth process. It's our belief getting deeper and deeper and trusting all the more that God is still, we are still a work in progress. And we see Jesus find this man later in the temple. This man understands who Jesus is. And Jesus says to him, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. And so we see this interaction. He now knows who Jesus is. And that, that verse right there in 14, or the word, stop sinning, uh, it's like, Jesus, what do you mean? And Jesus isn't saying, don't ever sin or you're going to lose your salvation, lose, you're going to go back. It's that this man probably had something in his life that was causing him physical ailment and causing him to suffer what he has had to suffer. And there are things in our life, choices that we make that are going to have physical consequences that we need to get rid of. Now, we have to be careful here not saying that, oh, well, they are dealing with a physical ailment, so they must have a sin they haven't asked forgiveness for. Um, sickness, disease, all of that has come in because of our fallen world, um, because of sin in this world, not necessarily the individual. Because look at Job. Um, look at my wife. Look at others who are sick, who are godly people. We have to deal with physical suffering, mental suffering, emotional suffering. Those things aren't necessarily choices we've made. Those are things that are in our fallen world. And the only way out is through Christ Jesus as our Savior. So get, take up your bed, throw away the old self, and then walk. Just walk right? What an amazing relationship that Almighty God, through His Son, Christ, to come and live on this earth, to live among us, to walk among us. This isn't a God who says, hey, make sure you ask, you know, make sure my Son is your Savior, and make sure that you are following these rules, and if you fail, you're going to lose it. No, it's that we have all of God immediately, and then He is going to live life with us, empower us in him to, to, be, uh, to glorify him in all things that we do, to live out our faith. Um, it is all about our relationship with him. So walk. And we use Romans 6, 4 after a baptism, buried with Christ in baptism, and then what do we say? Raised to walk in newness of life. Okay, we have a new life. We have a new walk that we get to walk through this life in, and it is all because of Jesus. Jesus gives us the power to rise and to get up 
Jesus is the one who gives us the power to walk every day and to keep going. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is how this man kept going. This is how we keep going in our walk with Christ. It is by focusing and keeping our eyes on the finish line, who is Christ Jesus himself and no one else. There's no other way. Uh, In the power of Jesus, that he will never leave us, nor forsake us. He is with us always to the end of the age. Hey, guess what? Jesus loves you. And and we see that through this picture. We see that as a remembrance in our own relationship uh, with Christ. And I pray that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that you aren't ready to to fully believe and go in, but you kind of want to figure it out, please come and talk to me. Talk to someone about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a believer and to have that faith um, because there is a new life waiting that all becomes or comes through Christ Jesus. And we see this, that Jesus is at work all the time with us. Verse 17 says, But Jesus answered them, My Father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. Now, this is a pivotal point in the book of John. Because here's this reminder that Jesus is like, Look, I don't care it's the Sabbath, because my Father's working nonstop, Rich, thank you, by the way, that God doesn't stop working and doesn't take a day off. Jesus is saying that also. It's not about the Sabbath. Uh, The Jews completely in their religion, completely locked in the Sabbath with all these regulations, all these, this crazy legalistic part, not understanding the Sabbath as rest in our relationship with God. That man with the bed got in trouble not because he got healed, He got in trouble because he was carrying something across the street on Sabbath, right? And so here's this this picture that we see that knowing that God doesn't take a day off and that it is important and understanding that, that legalism, religiosity, whatever can really skew things the the way that we see things. Um, And it's a mess, Um, but that's what we do do as humans trying to figure out all this God stuff, forgetting the love and the mercy that we get in the Father. And this statement isn't just about faithfulness, uh, that Jesus is always at work, God's at work. This is where Jesus gets in trouble, okay? He already got in a little bit of trouble or got the man in trouble uh, for carrying his bed. But what he says really in that verse is blasphemous uh, because he uses the word, my Father, and in that time, it was our father. So this man, Jesus, to claim that God is his father, uh, that there is a relationship, a direct relationship and equality with, the, with God, that's blasphemous. And this is where the Jews, of all people, start turning on Jesus. Uh, and this is where we've seen Jesus at work, and this was one of his more public signs and miracles that he did. Uh, that now we see him starting to get in trouble with the Jewish leaders. And what is the irony of that? 
what is that the one people in the the time that were looking for the messiah looking for the light had the old testament showing even that isaiah passage and here's jesus right smack in front of them and they miss they miss it uh, and see him as this man that is speaking blasphemy that they've got to kill and that and that's now where this turn in the book of john is till the end uh, where we do see the crucifixion of christ uh, that's now what is going on and it all is for this purpose and we know that now on this side uh, that that it took christ to go to the cross it took christ to shed his blood for our sins took christ to die to be buried and re then raised again uh, for him to conquer sin and death so that then we can come back and see where we are today see the salvation that we have uh, see the life that we have because of christ and all that he has done and all that he had planned out and the irony that the jews themselves who were going to persecute him were the ones that should have been in front of the line ready to receive their savior so i pray as we close this morning that have you missed something are you missing out have i shared a story and a work of what christ has done in the life of this man in our life as those who believe and and we're still a mess we still have a lot of work ahead of us to get done in our faith but we do it in the power of jesus christ in our life and if you don't know that please please i beg of you during this invitation time any time to come and talk and to figure that out uh, so we can help you discover um, who jesus is and the amazing love that he has for us so please pray with me as we go into our time of invitation there will be a couple of guys here myself included um, if there's a decision that you need to make or it's just a time to thank jesus for what he has done uh, <clears throat> that it, i i prayed this morning was a time of just jesus saying hey i love you um, you've got this because i'm here uh, and so make that even that time of invitation as we close up our service father i thank you for this morning I thank you for the opportunity that we have to always be reminded because we need it. Uh, we get so caught up in our, in our mind, our emotions, uh, in our life. And once in a while, we just need you to tell us and remind us how much you love us. Uh, Father, as we look through all that you have done and, and all the great sacrifice, I pray that we uh, continue to seek you, can continue to keep our eyes focused on you, in all things, Father, as you continue to love us and to work in our lives to mold us and make us to look more like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.